1: Today on CityCast Philly, it's the Friday News Roundup. We're talking about how speed cameras on Roosevelt Boulevard could become permanent. Pennsylvania House passes a bill to raise minimum wage in the state. And new landmarks are added to the Philadelphia Register of Historic Places. It's Friday, June 23rd. I'm Trina Rhee, and here's what Philly's talking about. Joining me this week is Maggie Mancini, staff writer at Philly Voice. Hey, Maggie. Hi. And Kimberly Haas, staff writer at Hidden City. Hey, Kimberly.
0: Hi, Triney.
1: So I usually start each episode with an icebreaker, and this week I've got to focus on Maggie's story about bagels and company opening two new locations, one in Rittenhouse and the other in Brewerytown. And if you are one of the first 100 customers, you're getting a free bagel. So I've got to ask you, where's your favorite spot in the city to grab a bagel? Maggie, let's start with you.
2: Um... While I do like bagels and co, uh, my personal favorite is uh, spread bagelry. Yes, me too. (laughs) What's your favorite bagel there? (laughs) Um, I typically just get the standard sandwich, but I'm also just a big fan of just going in on like a Saturday morning and getting a dozen. Yes, Every single one of their locations is a great spot.
1: Yes. I recently tried a bagel that was like lavender. I think I want to say lavender, a lemon. It was amazing, but I usually go for the everything bagel. How about for you, Kimberly?
0: Well, I love all the new bagel places that are going on in the city because I really like bagels a lot. Um, But I have to say my real go-to place is a real old style one. It's Kaplan's Bakery at Third and Poplar, which is in my neighborhood. And they've just they've been there for, gosh, I think since the 1930s or something like that. And it's just straightforward, really old traditional bagels. So that's that's my go-to. But I do love all the new places.
1: Yes, I love that. I got to try that, too. OK, so let's get into some news of this week. The Pennsylvania House passed a bill to raise minimum wage to $15 by 2026. Maggie, what's the plan to get us there over the next few years?
2: So under this bill, which passed a sort of along party lines on Tuesday night, the state would raise its minimum wage gradually over the next two or three years. If it passes the Senate and is signed, it would be raised to eleven dollars per hour starting this coming January, $13 an hour by 2025, 15 by 2026, and then by 2027, it would sort of raise gradually with inflation.
1: Do we get a sense like it it seems like because the current books say that our minimum wage is $7, right? Does that seem I don't know? Does that seem odd at at this point <laughs> of people talking about raising the minimum wage? Yes.
2: Um, so Pennsylvania's minimum wage is in line with the federal minimum wage, which is seven twenty five. It's been that way since two thousand nine, when the federal government hiked theirs um, to seven twenty five, and. It does seem as though sort of all of our neighboring states have already sort of started this process. They've already sort of raised their minimum wage. Right. Um, And New Jersey and Delaware alike are both doing it in the same way that this bill would propose doing it. Okay. Just, you know, a dollar or two every year in order to get to this $15 goal. Mm -hmm. But there's still a long way to go. This bill does face a little bit of opposition as it heads into the Senate. So we'll see how things pan out.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, And we will also talk about some other legislation that's uh, circling around later in the show. Kimberly, I want to bring you into the conversation. Your reporting this week focused on two African-American landmarks that were recently added to the Philadelphia Register of Historic Places. The first was the Dolores Tucker House, and the second was the Ethel Hedgman Lyle Home. That's right. Who were these two women, and what's their connection to Philly?
0: Well, see, Dolores Tucker was the first in the country— um, Black woman secretary of state, not not the federal secretary of state like Antony Blinken is.
1: But Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Level.
0: <laughs> okay. And and those positions are in the news a lot now because they oversee elections in each state. Um, she was the first Black woman to hold that position in the early 70s in Pennsylvania, the first in the nation. Um, and she lived in this house for, I think, think around 30 years until her death in 2006. Um, She was a civil rights activist before she had this political position, you know, marching with Dr. King in Selma. And later in life, she was also known as uh, speaking out against misogynist lyrics in rap music. And she took a lot of heat for that. So that's her house in in West Mount Airy, um, and then Ethel Hedgeman Lyle was one of the founders of Alpha Kappa Alpha, which is the first sorority for Black women in the United States. They founded it in uh, 1908 at Howard University, and her house is just a modest row house in the Mill Creek section of West Philadelphia. I think it's it's an effort for the um the historical uh, commission and also the preservationist community to catch up on, on preserving African American landmarks in the city. It's really when you look at the balance of how of the ten probably about ten thousand sites on the register, the the fraction that are actually black sites is very small compared to our population. I was just gonna
1: say getting these landmarks registered is a big deal in our city, right? Yeah,
0: it is. I mean I, I, re, I report on the Historical Commission's meetings every month, and I'm always amazed by the amount of research and work and, and love that goes into the people, into the nominations that people do. And a lot of times it's just, it's not professionals. Sometimes the staff of the Historical Commission will nominate things, but oftentimes it's just citizens who are really interested in, in highlighting what's gone on in our city and preserving these sites.
1: And what what happens when a site Gets on the register, do they get that blue plaque that we usually see at historical sites?
0: The blue plaque is actually from the State Historical Commission. So um, no, I think I think people can um can put something on the site themselves that they're on the Philadelphia Register of Historic Places, which is different from the National Register. What happens is there there are some restrictions on what you can do about the exterior of the building. If, if renovations, if changes are going to be made, it has to get cleared by the Historical Commission to make sure it doesn't alter the historic nature of the building. Um, it preserves, in almost all cases, it preserves the building from being demolished. And it also, which, which I think a lot of times when people object to a building being nominated, they don't realize that it also offers some protections and some assistance where the historic commission staff is very active in advising people how to maintain their buildings, what what would be a good way to renovate them. It also opens it up to grant possibilities. If you have an officially historic building, there, there are grant programs on the federal level. So there's a lot of advantages that a, a lot of times people, unfortunately, see it as a restriction. I
1: see interesting. I've got to check out those places. And again, where's the Dolores
0: Tucker house? It's right on Lincoln Drive in West Mount Airy, 6700 Lincoln Drive. They're both privately owned, these two houses, but you know, you can drive by. It's actually a very nice looking uh, Tudor Revival house, like a lot of houses in Mount Airy are. (laughs)
1: Okay, Maggie, catch us up on your story about the speed cameras on Roosevelt Boulevard. And as we know, Roosevelt Boulevard has been in the news a lot lately, ever since the 95 disaster, which caused a lot of reshifting and traffic patterns. A lot of folks trying to get in and out of the Northeast had to find alternative routes. Maggie, lawmakers want to make these speed cameras permanent. Tell us about this program.
2: Um, yes. So the speed camera program started, I believe it went into effect in June of 2020. Um, originally, there were about 11 cameras installed at intersections along Roosevelt Boulevard. But I believe last year or the year before, about eight more were added. And now that this sort of pilot program is set to expire in December, um, some lawmakers believe that it really has Sort of reduce the amount of traffic-related deaths and crashes and accidents along this very very busy and often very dangerous roadway. Um, So they want to you know make the proper investments, both to make it permanent along Roosevelt Boulevard and then to potentially expand it to essentially any other busy roadway in Philadelphia that is approved by both City Council and PennDOT. This. Program initially was introduced and passed as part of uh, Mayor Kenny's Vision Zero Plan, right. which you know has the sort of overarching goal of eliminating all traffic deaths by 2030. And it has proven pretty successful. Um, I believe that it has reduced traffic-related deaths um, and crashes by about 36%, which is well above the citywide average of about 6% over the last several years.
1: In reading this bill, it seemed like a lot of support is around this uh, with people talking about safety as a big reason why the speed camera should stay. But is there any opposition to this bill? Do we have critics out there? I think that a
2: few, from what I could tell, um, it does seem that this program, even though it has been sort of like touted by city officials as being this like wonderful way to sort of crack down on some of the, you know, speeding and things like that. Um, There are some drivers who have sort of been able to get out of receiving tickets and sort of dodging violations simply by, you know, driving without license plates or driving with obscured plates. And so I would imagine that some people, drivers especially, who, you know, might feel like maybe the limitations of this or maybe... You know, expanding it further and putting it at every intersection might be sort of difficult, especially as the Roosevelt Boulevard becomes busier, especially right now with um, a lot of traffic off of the I-95 bridge being fed into the boulevard and then onto these side streets in northeast Philly. But as of right now, it seems pretty um, well supported.
1: And you mentioned Vision Zero. How's the city doing with this overall?
2: So while um, in, I believe, Vision Zero released its most recent reports um, last October that found sort of even as um, traffic-related deaths have dropped, sort of crashes and speedings have not necessarily um, dropped in the same way. So it's a little complicated to understand. But I mean, it does seem as though the Kenny administration seems like very, very proud of Vision Zero and where we're headed, and which is why um, the mayor's office really is in support and has been calling for the expansion of the speed camera program throughout the
1: city. Have they talked about other roadways? uh, And is that likely to happen?
2: Um, Yes. So when I spoke with officials from the Kenny administration, they were saying that they were sort of calling for expansion onto roadways like Lincoln Drive, Ridge Avenue, Cobbs Creek, and along Broad Street, especially. Do we know the timeline for those potential places? Well, there is sort of this overarching deadline um, to get this passed because the hope for um, lawmakers in support of this bill is that they want to extend it and expand it before the December deadline.
1: And that's when the new mayoral administration would be coming in soon. Yes.
2: Yeah. So,
1: I mean, it would really depend on
2: what, um, how much the next mayor uh, wants to support the Vision Zero plan, whether or not it's going to be scrapped or altered. But yeah, the the hope is to get things done quickly,
0: and you know, get things signed into law. Uh, Along those lines, I read in the New York Times this week um, that in Paris they're experimenting with a noise camera where excessive noise on the road will take a photo of the vehicle and issue a citation. And I thought, boy, with summer coming here and the ATVs on the road, I would love to see that here.
1: Oh, wow. I wonder if you are like a a chronic honker, (laughs) right? Or if you're blasting your music. And that could be a good thing because you could be really feeling the vibes, right? You're going down to Atlantic City, going down to the Mm, shore. Wow, that is interesting.
0: Yeah, but I don't know. I guess if they could somehow tune it to certain frequencies, like those really like loud ATVs and everything and just focus on them or something. (laughs) Or, you know, if they're taking a photo, well, if it's just somebody grooving to their music, maybe it's okay. But (laughs) not not the guy in the three-wheeler doing, you know, going down here at Spring Garden Street. That's crazy.
1: Well, Maggie, we will definitely keep our eyes on this speed camera story. Kimberly, you know, you cover many of the preservation efforts throughout the city in terms of you know, keeping these older buildings in the city, and I'm and I'm curious. I was actually driving on Baltimore Avenue this week during Juneteenth, and I saw people fixing the Emanuel Christian Church. I've always seen this church. They recently were designated by the Philadelphia Register of Historic Places. Right?
0: That's correct. Yeah. Uh, second attempt for that church. Um, and again, what I was talking about, where sometimes the owners object, the first try, which was, um, done by the University City Historical Society, um, faced a lot of objection from the owners of the church at the time, which was the, the Hickman Temple, uh, AME church. Since then, last year, they sold it to this, this new congregation, Emanuel Christian Church, and as you could see when you drove past that the buildings got these big steel girders kind of propping up one of the main walls. Uh, it was in the news recently because the new congregation sold these big stained glass rose windows um, for a few thousand dollars without realizing they were priceless Tiffany windows.
1: What? Yeah, wow. Yeah,
0: really sad story. Um, so anyway, this the new congregation was interested in, in the the historical society approach them and explain what I was saying before, that, you know, you need help preserving this church. And if we, it was designated, you might be able to get that help, especially since the National Trust has a special fund for African-American churches to help restore them. Um, but you have to have some kind of official designation to qualify for it. It's a, it's a gorgeous building. It goes back to the, the turn of the last century uh, by a really well-known church architect from, from the 19th century in Philadelphia, Isaac Purcell. Um, and it's been a landmark in Cedar Park for a long time. It's right on that little Cedar Park uh, triangle there. But it's like like so many church buildings in the city. Um, congregations shrink. Um, they get older. And they have a hard time keeping up with these, these buildings. They take a lot of maintenance. And a lot of the maintenance gets deferred. So I'm hopeful that, that this new congregation will be able to tend to it. Um, they paid an awful lot of money for the church. And now they're trying to. Raise money to uh, to do some of these repairs. How can people get involved
1: with some of the work to save these structures around Philly?
0: Hmm. well, i I guess donating when when you know churches are asking for financial help, I mean, the University City Historical Society is just a member of vo- just volunteer member organization in in that neighborhood that's interested in historic preservation and they they put together these nominations um that's a good question trina well, there, there's just so many churches and there's are such beautiful buildings and there are some developers in the city that that can make good use of them mm-hmm. i mean we we don't need this many church buildings but that's no reason to tear them down so adaptive reuse is really important
1: All right, that was Kimberly Haas, staff writer at Hidden City, and Maggie Mancini, staff writer at Philly Voice. Thank you both for joining me this week on CityCast Philly. Thank you. Thank you. It's time for the tip of the week, where we share a life hack for living in Philly. Now, if you want to get involved with the work of historic preservation throughout Philadelphia, check out the University City's Historical Society. You could also attend the Philadelphia Register of Historic Places monthly meetings on the second Friday of each month. Kimberly tells us that the group still meets on Zoom and publishes their agenda so that you can follow along. We'll have a link in our show notes. If you have a tip of the week, we'd love to hear from you, too. Call or text us at 215-259-8170. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. Our lead producer is Lara Benchoff. Our producers are Abby Fritz and Lizzie Goldsmith. Our Hey Philly newsletter editor is Brittany Valentine. And our host is me, Trine Nuri. Music is by Philly's own Interminable with additional music from All the Kimonos and James Weldon. If you enjoyed this week of episodes, please tell a friend, tell your neighbor, tell your co-worker, tell everyone. <laughs> Rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Philly. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Have a great weekend and be safe, y'all. Bye.